Welcome to Hellbent, a podcast for men that are looking to recover from borderline personality disorder with your host, Bailey. I have been 5150 I have gone to three different inpatient facilities. I've done over a thousand hours of intensive outpatient therapy and probably another 500 or so of one-on-one and am a father and deal with the symptoms of borderline personality disorder and I had trouble finding any material that was geared specifically towards men dealing with this disorder. I wanted to make this podcast in order to provide some help and some resources for men out there that are looking to recover from their BPD symptoms and live a happy, healthy life and thrive again and feel joy again because those things are possible and I am here to help. So let's begin. First of all, I'd like to just provide, I guess, some background, uh, some logos to why I'm here talking to you about this. I, as I mentioned before, struggle with the symptoms of borderline personality disorder. I will start at the beginning, I guess. Uh, I had a, have a mother and a father. I was raised in a middle-class home, at some points lower middle-class, and at some points upper-middle-classes, kind of all over the place. Um, And I attached a lot of my identity to the kind of the class that we were in at that time. Uh, So if we were lower-middle-class, I identified very much with other lower middle class. If we were upper middle class, I tried my best to identify with that sort of lifestyle. I was uh, brought from Asheville, North Carolina to Alabama when I was 12, where I was enrolled in a private Catholic school where I was molested. Uh, I didn't even remember that uh, experience until I was in my early 20s and learned that the, I had experienced something called splitting, which is it's pretty miraculous, but your, your mind can hide memories from you if they're too traumatic, if you experience an intense trauma at an early age. I don't mean to over-explain things to people that already know, just uh, so you know, uh, splitting occurred, and that occurred at a pretty young age, and that had an effect on me, an effect on my ability to uh, to develop a stable sense of self, and that uh, made my adolescent years pretty challenging, and I went to three different high schools uh, following that, so, so fast forward, now I'm, uh, you know, an adolescent, I went to three different high schools, had trouble, uh, with that as well, I didn't walk for graduation, I, uh, wanted to just finish high school and be done with it, and move on with my life, and have an adventurous, fun life, I, did have a very fun life from 17 to about 23, 24. I fell in love when I was 17. 
I was uh, with this person till I was around 22, on and off, 23. Um, and whenever that relationship fell apart, uh, that relationship of about six years, on and off, give or take, I was wrecked. And I uh, started to notice I was dealing with symptoms of depression, maybe. I wasn't exactly sure. I'd always had somewhat of an arrogant mentality towards mental health, honestly, uh, before I entered this world. I was really arrogant and I would think, oh, well, you can work out and you can uh, go out with friends and you can get over whatever you're going through, basically. And uh, in some ways that's true, but there's a lot more involved, uh, a lot more skills involved, a lot more formal training that some people need and medication is needed at times. I. I advocate for that. Um, now, talking about specifically borderline personality disorder, that though, since it's a personality disorder, quote unquote, it can't it can't really be cured with medication. It can be treated somewhat. The symptoms can be treated somewhat. Um, and I do take Abilify, and that is a mood stabilizer that seems to help uh, and doesn't have any bad side effects that I've dealt with personally. And that's just one that I found through the medicine dance. But uh, anyway, I had a come apart whenever that relationship ended. The only stable thing that I knew, the thing I had attached my identity to, uh, was this other person and this idea of a life with this other person. And in a lot of ways, I was the one that sabotaged the relationship because of my borderline tendencies. Um, I'll reference a book that, if you haven't read it, is a great resource, and it's one of the first things that uh, most clinicians would point you towards when getting a diagnosis like this, and it's called I Hate You, Don't Leave Me. It's a great book, and those dynamics played out in my relationship, which was very tumultuous and uh, ended with me uh, getting medically withdrawn from school, saying that I was going to kill myself, finding this really high uh, ledge called Chimney Rock out in the Blue Ridge Mountains where I paid, went up there, sat for a good while, uh, very close to very close to actually ending my own life and luckily I called my sister and had her talk me off that ledge and was then committed to a psych ward uh, and I remained there for about 10 days and when I left I left with a bipolar disorder diagnosis I was then put on lithium and uh, trazodone and several other different pills that were tried, lamotrigine, um, things of that nature uh, that were more geared towards helping somebody that's dealing with bipolar disorder. So upon being misdiagnosed, I uh, then got mismedicated. Now this is not uncommon for a lot of men that I've talked to. Um, so please, you know, remember that this is here for you as a resource and what I want more than anything is for you to feel heard and for you to feel understood and uh, I'll at the end of the 
podcast, I'll just go ahead and state my email and anyone that wants to reach out is more than, uh, ha- like I, I'd be more than happy to hear from you. Uh, anyway, if this has ever happened to you, anything like this, misdiagnosis, mismedicated, uh, situation to continue, I went through, uh, an intensive outpatient therapy program. I did all right. I took the lithium for a while and, uh, had to get blood tests taken every two weeks to check my, uh, I guess the, the levels in my blood for the lithium salts so that my kidney or liver wouldn't shut down. I was a zombie and, um, was completely apathetic and I pride myself in being somebody that's somewhat passionate and engaged with life and I love art and I love just I have a very uh I'm very open to experience and that was not the case at all when taking the lithium so I knew that was not the answer I I uh, struggled somewhat with addiction and so I ended up at a addiction and mental health treatment facility uh, I was struggling with an addiction to something called Kratom, which is, if you aren't familiar with it, just look it up. It's pretty insidious, and it's totally legal and just as uh, available, I guess, as alcohol in most states. And it is uh, it is a depressant that has somewhat of a euphoric effect. It helped me a lot with the anxiety and the anhedonia that comes with borderline personality disorder. And if you aren't familiar with that term, that word anhedonia directly translates to a lack of ability to experience pleasure. And that is something that is really um, kind of a trademark of borderline personality disorder, this lack of ability to experience um, joy, uh, to experience beauty in a in a way that's authentic and true. Uh, I, I don't know necessarily why that is, uh, because I still have my moments, and the anhedonia is not all-powerful, and I do experience beauty, and I do experience joy. Uh, there are just a lot of things that I have to do in order to get to that point. Um, I'll give you a couple of suggestions for how you could come to know that feeling again. So number one would be quit feeling sorry for yourself. Just stop doing that. Um, you are gonna you're gonna play the cards that you're dealt, and they are, uh, you know, they are just the what they are, and it's just as important how you play the cards as what the cards are. Uh, so number one, no more feeling sorry for ourselves. We're gonna stop doing that today. Um, number two, we are going to take a genuine interest in uh, other people and what their uh, concerns are and what is troubling them. If you have a sister, if you have a brother, a mother, a father, you know, ask them how their day is going. Don't wait for them to ask you. Don't do, do your best to try to take a genuine interest in other people and, 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 and feel joy 
bi-curiously through getting to hear good things about what they have to say or experience a connecting moment where they get to explain to you something they're struggling with and you actually get to be the person that can give them some solid advice or just have be a sounding board for them and someone that they can lean on when they need it. That's really rewarding. That's going to help, number one. Um, number two take a cold shower cold showers in the morning are a game changer they've changed my life uh, for the better and i do my best to take them every morning i would say number three uh eat as healthy as you can when you can i know that the food is not a that affordable i know that whenever we wait and we are too anxious and we forget to eat or we just put it off for a while our bodies end up craving just like whatever will satiate us the most something really salty something really sweet fast food this or that and um something that i've heard in the past uh on a podcast back from the borderline there was a man being interviewed and he said you know you've got to be willing to do anything and i'm i'm really asking you right here right now please be willing to do anything to make this better and it can get better and if i say okay let's try to change up our diet or let's try to do something really uncomfortable like take a cold shower you you 100% if you want results have to engage in uncomfortable practices uh a lot of that is going to train you to deal with the general uncomfortability of life and the better you get at being uncomfortable uh the better life gets um, because life is uncomfortable uh, a lot of the time and there are a lot of things in life that we have to do that we need to do that we don't want to do and our bpd wants to rob us of the ability to you know put in hard work and see the result of that it wants to rob us of putting in the work that it takes to have a healthy relationship with another person even a friendship with another person we've got to be willing to work and we have to learn to love the work that it takes to more or less live a more normal life I don't know, this might be a bad example, but if someone's dyslexic, it's going to be a much more of a challenge for them to read initially. If somebody has borderline personality disorder, it's going to be much more of a challenge for them to develop healthy interpersonal relationships with other people. And so we've got to be willing to play the cards that were dealt and put forth that extra effort and put forth the time that it takes to practice basic skills that other people don't need to practice that are going to basically remind us hey don't lash out hey don't let yourself get caught up and end up having a rage splitting borderline personality disorder episode um, which is trademarked by just like the aggression and the anger and the violent sort of outburst uh that comes with a rage splitting episode now that's a that's a borderline personality disorder term i don't necessarily like that term i heard in a separate podcast i believe it was uh borderline to beautiful that 
they were describing rage splitting as basically an adult tantrum. And we have to be honest with ourselves when we're in recovery, dealing with, you know, coming back from the delusional borderline place we've been in for so long. And we have to say, like, let's recognize that these outbursts are not, number one, not effective. Um, number two, do terrible things for our interpersonal relationships. It's the, it is the apex of how to self-sabotage. It's like the very top, the pinnacle of how to self-sabotage a friendship, a great relationship, uh, a family, a relationship with family members. I mean, I'm speaking from experience here. And so for me, when I realized that by you know, using a BPD term like rage splitting, well, that's effective at first when I'm identifying some of my trademark issues. Um, but then once we've identified those, we don't want to live within this disorder forever. We want to do something about it. We want to recover from it. And that's what this whole, you know, podcast is about. This is recovering from the symptoms of borderline personality disorder, because here's something that's really cool. If you no longer self-harm, if you no longer rage split, if you no longer have suicidal ideations all the time, if you figure out how to use things like cold showers, and I know it sounds stupid uh, at first, it's just, it's a matter of consistency, but if you know how to use some of these tools, then you reach a point where you actually don't qualify as somebody with borderline personality disorder under the DSM-5. You have to, you know, meet five of the nine criteria. If you don't meet five of the nine criteria, you no longer have to consider yourself somebody with a borderline personality disorder. And something that's beautiful that we can be grateful for is the fact that things are always changing and our personality is always changing. We are not the same person we were 10 years ago. And if we are, that's a serious problem. That's like beyond borderline personality disorder. But we we change and we grow and we evolve. And I don't think that we necessarily, I don't know if it's fair that we found ourselves in this mental space, but it is what it is and we can do something about it. And we can recover and we can go into a, a full recovery to the point where you are no longer functioning like a person that's considered borderline and i want to help you do that and we're gonna thoroughly go through um some of the different tools that i've attained uh up to this point that i use on a regular basis that help me and we're gonna figure this out together so uh, thank you for tuning in and I look forward to just providing this information and if it helps one person I'll be so grateful um, gratitude is a huge one for me gratitude is like not and this is not because of the world of recovery I don't like I've not made um, you know recovery through NA or recovery through DBT or recovery through Dharma or smart recovery or anything like that in my life. I've just taken a lot of this information and I've been able to 
um, aggregate it in a way that I think is effective and helpful and helps me maintain my anonymity and maintain my ability to have my own identity outside of all of this other stuff that exists within the mental health world, within the world of addiction. So uh, I want you to be able to do that as well. So I'm going to provide you with all of these tools without you having to go and, you know, state your name and try to get indoctrinated into a, you know, belief system that is Dharma recovery, that is NAAA, that is DBT. Um, I want you to just have the information and do with it what you will, but I'm really strongly advocating that you apply it because if applied, recovery is possible. So anyway, thanks again for tuning in and I'll have another episode up here soon. Bye for now.